Hello, and welcome back to part two of our historical exploration of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I'm Dee Hubey, and I invite you to join me as we delve back into this special edition of The Real Deal with Dee and Denise. Together, we will explore the changing dynamics, critical moments, and pressing issues at the forefront of this enduring conflict. In part one, we took a journey through the complex history of the 20th century, providing an understanding of the conflict's origins, some key definitions, and the ongoing dynamics between Israel and Palestine. Again, I'll do my best with pronunciation, but if I make any errors, or if you have any other feedback, I appreciate your input and I thank you in advance for letting me know. All right, before we jump into the events of the 21st century, let's start with a quick recap of what we covered in part one. Then we'll dive back in starting with the second intifada, which marks the beginning of the 21st century. But please note that the intricacies and depth of context covered in part one were already condensed and can't be fully captured in a quick recap. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, I strongly recommend checking it out before diving into part two. Part one lays the groundwork and provides a more comprehensive understanding of this complex issue. All right, so on that note, let's jump into our recap. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict in the 20th century is a complex and deeply rooted struggle that shaped the modern Middle East. The conflict has its origins in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, when both Jewish and Arab national movements began to assert their claims over historic Palestine, which was then part of the Ottoman Empire. During World War I, with the help of its Arab allies, British forces captured Palestine from the Ottomans. In 1917, the Balfour Declaration expressed British support for the establishment of a national home for Jewish people in Palestine, which made conflicting promises about the historic land and escalated tensions. In the early 20th century, particularly in the 1920s to the 1940s, there was a significant increase in Jewish immigration to Palestine, which also further intensified the conflict. In 1947, the United Nations passed a partition plan that proposed the creation of a separate Jewish and Arab state in Palestine. Jewish leaders accepted the plan, but Arab leaders rejected it, leading to the 1948 Arab-Israeli War. The war resulted in the official establishment of the State of Israel in 1948 and the displacement of hundreds of thousands of Palestinian Arabs. The event is known to Palestinians as Al-Nakba or the Catastrophe. The 1967 Six-Day War saw Israel occupy the West Bank, East Jerusalem, Gaza Strip, and the Golan Heights, further inflaming the conflict. Israel's occupation of these territories and its settlement activities remain a contentious issue today. Efforts to achieve a peaceful resolution have included the Camp David Accords, the Oslo Accords, and numerous other attempts at peace negotiations. However, the conflict has persisted, marked by cycles of violence and uprisings, such as the First Intifada and the Second Intifada, which we'll cover in a moment. Today, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict continues to shape the region with unresolved issues such as borders, refugees, Jerusalem status, and the establishment of a Palestinian state remaining central to the dispute. The conflict's history is marked by profound suffering and loss of life on both sides, and its resolution remains a challenging and deeply ingrained issue in international politics and diplomacy. All right, and now the moment you've all been waiting for, drum roll please. We're ready to continue our exploration into the 21st century and the evolving events that shape the present. 2000, the second intifada. In the year 2000, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict was again brought to a boiling point. Tensions had been escalating for years and the Palestinian territories were increasingly frustrated and the situation was incredibly volatile. It was a perfect storm of grievances, stalled peace processes, and a controversial visit. On September 28, 2000, former Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, a leader of the Lukid party, made a controversial visit to the Al-Aqsa Mosque, one of the holiest sites in Islam. 
To say this didn't sit well with Palestinians would be an understatement. Many Palestinians saw Sharon's visit as a provocation, sparking what would become known as the Second Intifada, further straining relations between Israelis and Palestinians. The landscape of Palestinian politics and resistance would be forever changed by this wave of violence. Hamas was a Palestinian organization known for its willingness to confront Israel through armed and militant means. As the conflict escalated, so did support for Hamas within Palestine. The Second Intifada, a violent uprising that would rock the region for five long years, would last until 2005. Palestinian youth took to the streets, often armed with little more than stones, and confronted Israeli police and military forces, shaking the already fragile status quo, plunging the region into another period of unrest, violence, and widespread suffering. According to data collected by an Israeli rights group, Israeli forces killed more than 1,430 Palestinian civilians, while Palestinian militants killed 640 Israeli civilians from 2001 to 2006 during the five years that Sharon served as prime minister. In December 2000, then-President Clinton introduced his own proposals for an Israeli-Palestinian agreement. However, by this point, the president's term was ending, Ayud Barak was facing electoral defeat in Israel, and violence between Israelis and Palestinians continued to escalate. Fast forward to September 2005, and Israel initiated the withdrawal of its troops from the Gaza Strip. This decision garnered significant international attention, but it was also met with criticism. While Israel did withdraw its physical presence from Gaza, it maintained strict control over the region's lifelines. Israel controlled, and still does, control the airspace, maritime access, and most of the land crossings in and out of Gaza. This control extended to essential resources like water, electricity, and other utilities. So while Gaza may have appeared to gain a degree of freedom, the reality was far from it. By the close of 2000, the dream of resolving the Arab-Israeli conflict, which had seemed within reach just eight years earlier, appeared to be more distant than ever. While the negotiations of the 1990s had achieved significant milestones, including Israeli-Jordanian peace and the establishment of Palestinian self-rule, the path to a comprehensive Arab-Israeli peace remained elusive, shrouded in uncertainty and political turmoil. To add to the challenges, Israel imposed what was known as a no-go zone along the Gaza-Israel border. This blockade would be in effect indefinitely and is still in effect now at the time that I'm writing this episode. The blockaded zone wasn't just a security buffer. It encroached on significant portions of Gaza's territory, including key agricultural lands. This severely limited what Gazans could do on their own soil. The story of the Second Intifada and the Gaza disengagement is one of bold moves, lingering control, and the ongoing struggle for peace. It's a chapter in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that would have a profound impact on the future of both groups. Conditions in Palestine have been dire, and desperation is high. As conditions continued to worsen, so did Palestinian desperation, opening the door for a new kind of Palestinian leadership. These are key ingredients for radicalization. In January 2006, about a year after the death of significant Palestinian political leader Yasser Arafat, who had been the co-founder of the ruling Fatah political party, things took a dramatic turn. In the Palestinian parliamentary elections that followed, Hamas, a group with deep ties to the Palestinian Muslim Brotherhood, emerged victorious ousting the Fatah party. Interestingly, some leaders, including Israel's Bibi Netanyahu, initially believed that Hamas might be more rational and manageable than the other alternative norms within Palestinian politics. Hamas's electoral success granted them not only political power, but then a year later, Hamas militants 
took control of the Gaza Strip, that narrow piece of land that is along the Mediterranean Sea and shares a southern border with Egypt by force. Remember, the Gaza Strip had been under the semi-autonomous rule of the Palestinian Authority since 1993, following the Oslo Accords. However, Hamas's control of Gaza ultimately further complicated the already fragile situation. It's important to note that many Western governments, including the United States and the European Union, did not recognize Hamas's electoral victory. They had designated Hamas as a terrorist organization since the late 1990s. This political shift and the subsequent internal struggle between Hamas, Fatah, and other factions added yet another layer to the already complex Israeli-Palestinian conflict. In 2006, Israel became embroiled in a conflict with Hezbollah, which is a Shiite Muslim political party and militant group based in Lebanon. As a result, Israel declared war on Hezbollah, which translates from Arabic as the party of Allah or the party of God. While that was happening, Israel also launched a series of offensive assaults against Hamas in Gaza. Many of these military operations had code names, such as Operation Cast Lead in 2008, Operation Pillar of Defense in 2012, and Operation Protective Edge in 2014. Cyclically, the region remained in the midst of conflict and violence. The Gaza Strip is home to around 2 million Palestinians. In 2007, after the Hamas takeover of the Gaza Strip, Israel imposed a total blockade affecting air, land, and sea access to the tiny, densely populated enclave, effectively cutting it off from the rest of the world. Blockades, in essence, seal off a specific place, halting both the movement of people and the flow of goods, and the impact of this blockade was nothing short of catastrophic. These severe measures had devastating consequences, impacting the movement of people to and from Gaza and further plunging the region into an ever-present humanitarian crisis. For context, it's essential to know that a majority of Gazans live in refugee camps and depend on UN rations for their very survival. What's more, multiple human rights organizations have expressed deep concern and have used strong terms to do so. In the time since the blockade was imposed, Palestine has been described as an open-air prison. Several human rights groups have stated that the Israeli regime ruling over the Palestinian amounts to, quote, apartheid. Just last year, a 2022 report from Amnesty International showed stark findings and raised even more eyebrows about territorial fragmentation, segregation and control, dispossession of land and property, and denial of economic and social rights. In 2008, Israel launched a three-week-long military operation in response to rocket attacks from Palestinian militants in Gaza who used outdated weaponry smuggled through underground tunnels from Egypt. This brutal conflict resulted in a tragic toll, with over 1,100 Palestinians and 13 Israelis losing their lives. The cycle of violence persisted, and in November 2012, Israel struck a significant blow by assassinating Ahmed al-Jabari, Hamas's military chief. This event triggered over a week of intense back-and-forth exchanges of fire, leading to casualties on both sides. Over 150 Palestinians and at least six Israelis lost their lives. During this period, on November 29, 2012, the UN granted Palestine non-member observer state status raising the stakes in the ongoing conflict as the political landscape continued to evolve. The summer of 2014 witnessed a seven-week-long conflict between Israel and Hamas. This crisis began with the kidnapping and killing of three Israeli teenagers by Hamas militants, which led to a robust military response from Israel. Hamas again launched rocket barrages from Gaza in response. This escalation of violence resulted in a tragic toll, with over 1,881 Palestinians and more than 60 Israelis losing their lives. 
The confrontation finally came to a halt in late August 2014, when Egypt brokered a ceasefire agreement. But the conflict had far-reaching consequences, leading to even further tensions. The time between 2014 and 2020 held significant shifts, challenges, and controversies. The years between 2018 and 2020 particularly brought about dramatic shifts in the Israeli-Palestinian landscape. Their actions would set the stage for further unrest and political turmoil in the region. As we know, the city of Jerusalem holds great significance for both Israelis and Palestinians. Israel claims it as its complete and united capital, while Palestinians insist that East Jerusalem should be the capital of their future state. This unresolved issue remained a flashpoint during these years. In 2017, in a change of direction, the Trump administration unveiled a major policy shift. It recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and announced plans to relocate the U.S. Embassy to the sacred city, marking a significant departure from long-standing U.S. foreign policy. This decision rippled through the region, stirring strong emotions, especially among Palestinians. The status of Jerusalem, claimed by both Israel and Palestinians, remain a contentious issue. The Trump administration's policy changes didn't stop at Jerusalem. In 2018, it canceled funding for the UN Relief and Works Agency, a vital lifeline for Palestinian refugees. If you remember from part one, the UN Relief and Works Agency was specifically set up to help Palestinian refugees after al-Nakba. Simultaneously, policy shift was fully realized when the US Embassy was indeed moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. While these decisions pleased Israeli leaders, they drew sharp condemnation, not only from Palestinian leaders, but from the Middle East and Europe. These tensions persisted, resulting in more violence in 2018. Hamas and the Israeli Defense Forces engaged in fierce exchanges of rockets and airstrikes. After a period of significant casualties, a ceasefire was finally reached. March and May of 2018 witnessed a series of protests along the Gaza Strip's border. Palestinians, both peaceful demonstrators and factions like Hamas, gathered to voice their grievances. Tragically, the situation escalated as some resorted to violence. The United Nations reported a grim toll with 183 demonstrators killed and over 6,000 wounded by live ammunition. The political atmosphere became even more tense. The deep-rooted divide between Fatah governing the West Bank and Hamas in control of the Gaza Strip resurfaced. Despite efforts by Mahmoud Abbas to unify Palestinians under the Palestinian Authority, or the PA, this unity remained elusive. By June 2018, international bodies, including the United Nations General Assembly and numerous human rights organizations, expressed deep concern over Israel's use of force during the protests. Despite international calls for investigation, the United States, under the Trump administration, blocked such efforts. In late February of 2019, an independent commission of the UN Human Rights Council analyzed 489 cases of Palestinian death or injury at the hands of Israeli Defense Forces. The results revealed that only two cases could be potentially justified as responses to danger. By the end of the Gaza border protests in December 2019, hundreds of Palestinians had lost their lives and tens of thousands were injured. During the same time, Israel saw 25 fatalities and 240 injuries. The year 2020 brought new tensions to East Jerusalem. In January 2020, the Trump administration unveiled its anticipated Peace to Prosperity Plan. However, its support for future Israeli annexations in the West Bank and control over Jerusalem led to its complete rejection by Palestinians. Later in 2020, 
the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain became the third and fourth countries to normalize relations with Israel in a historic agreement known as the Abraham Accords, which followed ministerial talks hosted by the United States in Poland. These agreements were welcomed by Israel, but again rejected by Palestinian leaders. In October 2020, an Israeli court ruled that Palestinian families in the Sikh Jara neighborhood would be evicted, sparking protests, appeals, and ongoing property disputes. This ruling intensified the already turbulent situation, as we will see in 2021. April and May of 2021 marked a dark chapter in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, defined by a series of events that would add pressure to the violent regional tensions as disputes boiled over into full-blown confrontations. The stage was set weeks earlier in the East Jerusalem neighborhood, where Palestinian residents faced the looming threat of eviction from their homes claimed by Israeli settlers. As news of these pending evictions spread, Frustration and anger mounted among the Palestinian population. It was yet another stark reminder of the long-standing battle over land and property rights. In late April, Palestinians took to the streets of Jerusalem to protest the impending forced removal from the Jerusalem's Sikh Jara neighborhood. These demonstrations were more than just rallies. They became a potent expression of the Palestinian identity unity, and resistance against what they saw as an unjust dispossession. However, the climax came in early May when another court ruling favored the eviction of Palestinian families. As the verdict reached the public, Jerusalem became increasingly volatile. Thousands of Palestinians gathered at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, one of the holiest sites in Islam, as the holy month of Ramadan added yet another layer of emotion to this already explosive situation. The Israeli police, who were stationed to maintain order, responded with force. Stun grenades, rubber bullets, and water cannons were used to disperse the crowds. These responses resulted in chaos in hundreds of wounded Palestinians, all within the sacred walls of Al-Aqsa. Images of the clashes reverberated worldwide, causing outrage and condemnation. The situation escalated further on May 10th, 2021, when Palestinian militant groups, primarily Hamas, unleashed rockets into Israeli territory. The barrage targeted towns and cities, creating a growing sense of fear among Israeli civilians. Israel responded with artillery bombardments and airstrikes, not only targeting military infrastructure, but also residential buildings, media offices, and healthcare facilities in Gaza. The deadly exchange of fire continued for 11 days with no immediate end in sight. As the conflict intensified, so too did international pressure for a ceasefire. It was again yet another grim cycle of violence causing deep suffering and trauma for both the Palestinians and the Israelis. This particular flare-up, rooted in Jerusalem, led to significant casualties and destruction. The world watched in alarm as civilian lives were shattered and the prospects for peace appeared increasingly distant. The death toll and destruction mounted with each passing day. Then. On May 21st, 2021, Egypt successfully brokered a ceasefire, bringing an end to the hostilities. Over 250 Palestinians were killed and another 2,000 wounded. In Israel, at least 13 were killed. The financial cost in Gaza was estimated to be in the tens of millions of dollars, and more than 72,000 Palestinians found themselves displaced. The events of April and May 2021 served as a stark reminder of the persistent volatility of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. In 2022, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict would remain entrenched in a cycle of violence and human rights abuses that garnered international attention. Deep-seated historical roots, ongoing tensions, and unanswered questions of the fundamental issues at the heart of this conflict 
meant that episodes of violence could erupt suddenly and with devastating consequences. As the dust settled and the world turned its attention elsewhere, the struggle for peace in the region fleeted once again. The year bore witness to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict's unyielding grip on the region, characterized by a cycle of violence and human rights abuses that reverberated across the international stage. Spring 2022 marked another troubling chapter in the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The tensions that had escalated during the 2021 crisis continued to fester, ultimately erupting again into violence. Gaza faced dire conditions, causing suffering among the civilian population, particularly due to the continuing blockade that had been imposed 15 years prior. Israel was accused of applying collective punishment and restricting the freedom of movement for Palestinians. Administrative detentions of Palestinians reached a 14-year high, and allegations of torture and ill-treatment persisted raising concerns among human rights organizations yet again. Environmental issues, including Israel's greenhouse gas emissions and the environmental impacts of military action, were also criticized. So too were Israel's stance on LGBTQ plus rights and women's rights, with issues like conversion therapy and domestic violence coming under the spotlight. Arab Israelis and Palestinian militants carried out a string of terrorist attacks in Israeli cities. These attacks knew no boundaries, indiscriminately affecting civilians, sowing fear and uncertainty among Israelis, and sending shockwaves across the region. The attacks claimed the lives of 16 Israelis and two foreigners, yet again leaving a stark reminder of the consequences of this conflict beyond the bounds of Israel and Palestine. In the wake of these terrorist attacks, Israeli forces responded with a heavy-handed approach in the Israeli-occupied West Bank, launching Operation Breakwater. This campaign involved near-nightly incursions into the West Bank to conduct searches, home demolitions, and to make arrests in the pursuit of armed Palestinian factions. While undertaken in the name of Israeli security concerns, the response only increased tensions and threats. The violence took a significant toll on both Palestinians and Israelis. By the close of 2022, the conflict had claimed 191 Palestinian lives and 21 Israeli lives, underscoring the enduring human cost of this long-standing conflict. This period was yet another stark reminder of the deep-rooted issues in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as violence and reprisals continued to shape the lives of those living in the region. December 2022 marked a significant turning point in Israeli politics as Benjamin Netanyahu, often referred to simply as Bibi, made a striking return to power. Just 18 months after his ousting from the position of prime minister, Netanyahu's comeback heralded a shift to the right in Israeli politics. His newly formed cabinet was comprised of ultra-nationalist and ultra-religious parties and promised to be one of the most right-wing governments in the nation's history. However, this composition was not without controversy and raised major concerns about the future direction of the country. Among the notable appointments of Netanyahu's cabinet was Itamar Ben-Gavir, a figure with a controversial past, having previously been convicted for supporting terrorism and inciting anti-Arab racism. Gavir assumed a significant role in public security and was later named National Security Minister, a position overseeing Israeli police and certain policing activities in the occupied West Bank. This appointment sparked debates about the direction Israel would take under his leadership. Another prominent addition to Netanyahu's cabinet was Bezalel Smotrich, leader of the Religious Zionism Party, who assumed the role of Minister of Finance. Notably, Smotrich was granted the authority to appoint the head of an Israeli military unit responsible for border crossings and permits for Palestinians. These appointments and policy directions 
again, raised concerns about the viability of a two-state solution, with critics arguing that they further complicated the path to peace. Of particular concern were Smotrich's proposals for drastic legal reforms, including the removal of the ability to charge a public servant with fraud and breach of trust, a charge which Netanyahu himself faced in his ongoing corruption trial. Netanyahu, echoing a sentiment once voiced by former U.S. President Donald Trump, maintained his innocence and referred to the trial as, quote, a witch hunt, calling for extensive changes to Israel's judiciary system. These proposed legal amendments were met with widespread criticism, both at home and on the international stage. They were seen as a direct challenge to judicial independence and a potential threat to Israel's democratic principles. Israeli citizens protested en masse. On the eve of Netanyahu's inauguration for what will be his sixth term, on December 28, 2022, over 100 former Israeli diplomats and ambassadors voiced their concerns by crafting a letter to the incoming prime minister. In this letter, they expressed profound worries about the potential consequences of the government's hard-right policies on Israel's global reputation. The diplomats cautioned against the damage these policies could inflict on Israel's foreign relations, international standing, and its core interests abroad. Their concerns were rooted in policy shifts related to the West Bank, including the advancement of, quote, extreme and discriminatory laws. The diplomats also highlighted concerns over free speech and democratic values within the nation. Furthermore, they cautioned that undermining judicial independence could tarnish Israel's image as a liberal democracy, potentially leading to significant political and economic consequences, including potential repercussions on foreign investments and commercial activities within Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu's return to power and the policies pursued by his government marked a pivotal moment in Israel's political landscape with profound implications for the country's role on the global stage. In the early months of 2023, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict surged once again. The new year began on a grim note as violent incidents shook the region. A Palestinian gunman sought vengeance and targeted a synagogue in East Jerusalem, claiming the lives of seven people, including children. The attack sent ripples through the community and cast a pall over hopes for a peaceful future, plunging the region yet again into deeper turmoil. In response to this horrifying act, Israeli forces swiftly launched a raid in the Palestinian city of Jenin. This operation resulted in an intense exchange of fire, leaving nine individuals dead. The violence in Jenin marked a distressing beginning to the year, further deepening the wounds of this long-standing conflict. As tensions continued to escalate, May 2023 witnessed a surge of violence. Israel launched surprise airstrikes across the Gaza Strip, targeting top militants. These strikes, while aiming to neutralize high-profile targets, exacted a heavy toll, including the lives of women and children. These casualties included three top militants and ten others, marking a dark chapter in the ongoing struggle. The events of May 2023 triggered a five-day period of intense violence, resulting in the loss of at least 33 lives in Gaza and two in Israel. The sirens wailed and the world watched with bated breath as the conflict once again unleashed its destructive power on the people caught in the crossfire. In June 2023, the violence persisted as Israeli forces carried out another raid in Jenin. This time, they deployed helicopter gunships to the West Bank, which were stark reminders of the turbulent days of the Second Intifada in 2000. In response to these operations, two Hamas militants targeted a restaurant in an Israeli settlement, leading to the tragic loss of four innocent lives. The cycle of violence continued, with hundreds of Israeli settlers venturing into Palestinian villages 
leaving behind destruction and harm to its residents. Amid this chaos, Israel employed a drone strike in the West Bank for the first time since 2006, which resulted in the death of three suspected militants. The cycle of violence seemed relentless, with both sides locked in a seemingly endless struggle for control and security. July 2023 brought another alarming escalation to the conflict. Israel launched a sweeping air and ground offensive supported by a significant deployment of 1,000 soldiers accompanied by drone strikes on a refugee camp within Jenin. The Israeli Defense Forces framed this operation as a, quote, extensive counterterrorism effort. However, it resulted in the loss of 12 Palestinian lives. The IDF's assertion that this operation would continue indefinitely further deepened concerns about the future. The region continued to find itself in a volatile state, with prospects for a peaceful resolution appearing increasingly distant. Two weeks ago, on the morning of Saturday, October 7, 2023, Hamas militants launched an unprecedented and surprisingly well-coordinated terrorist attack on Israel. The attack came just one day after the 50th anniversary of the start of the 1973 Yom Kippur War. After the surprise terrorist attack, Israel formally declared war on Sunday, October 8, 2023, marking one of the deadliest and most significant developments in the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The IDF reported massive rocket barrages from Hamas and infiltrations into southern Israel by land, air, and sea. Video footage showed hundreds of Hamas fighters crossing into Israel from Gaza using an array of means from boats to pickup trucks to motorcycles to motorized paragliders. At the attack's onset, on the morning of October 7th, the IDF put out one of its first public statements. Quote, over the past hour, the Hamas terrorist organization launched massive barrages of rockets from Gaza into Israel, and its terrorist operatives have infiltrated into Israel in a number of different locations to the south. According to Israeli officials, approximately 2,200 rockets were launched by Hamas militants targeting southern and central Israel, including Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, with one missile striking a hospital. Hamas, however, claims to have actually fired over 5,000 rockets and shows no remorse for the loss of civilian lives or the striking of non-military targets. At the same time, Hamas militants launched ground assaults to the south and stormed blockaded areas in Gaza. Surfacing videos show Hamas indiscriminately killing and kidnapping civilians in Israel, including mothers, children, the elderly, and even babies, and taking them into Gaza as hostages. Shortly after the attacks began, Hamas's military arm, the Al-Qassam Brigades, claimed responsibility for the attack, releasing the following statement, quote, the Zionist colonial occupation occupied our Palestinian homeland and displaced our people, destroyed our towns and villages, committed hundreds of massacres against our people, killing children, women, and elderly people, and demolishing homes with their inhabitants inside in violation of all international norms, laws, and human rights conventions, said Mohammed Deef, Hamas's commander-in-chief of Hamas's military arm. Netanyahu made his first public statement declaring, quote, Israel is at war. Continuing his statement, he said, this is not a so-called military operation, not another round of fighting, but war. Later that night, Netanyahu made a televised address repeating his earlier declaration of war and adding that he has, quote, ordered an extensive mobilization of reserves and will return fire at a magnitude that the enemy has not known. The enemy will pay an unprecedented price. And he ended his remarks with, we will win. On Sunday, October 8th, video footage posted online depicted an all-night music festival filled with innocent people. In southern Israel, near the Gaza border, 
being attacked by rockets and armed Hamas fighters, including paratroopers on motorized paragliders. Footage shows women and children being abducted and taken into Gaza. Zaka, the Israeli rescue service, reported to have picked up at least 260 bodies from the grounds of the festival. President Joe Biden condemned Hamas, saying their atrocities included the slaughter of men, women, and entire families, and the stomach-churning reports of babies being killed. There are moments, said Biden, when pure, unadulterated evil is unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said, Hamas wanted to see a change in Gaza. The reality is Gaza will make a 180, adding that Hamas will regret this, saying that the IDF will be using every measure at their disposal to ensure all who fight them, quote, will be eliminated, adding that he has, quote, released all the restraints. As of Monday, October 9th, Hamas fighters had killed at least 900 people during their assaults. In response, Israel had launched a bombing campaign into the Gaza Strip, killing more than 4,000 Palestinians since the war began two weeks ago. Video footage from Gaza shows high-rise residential buildings and the Al-Susi Mosque being reduced to rubble. Schools, medical institutions, and government buildings have also been flattened in the besieged strip. At the same time, Palestinians continue to brace themselves for a full-scale ground operation carried out by Israeli Defense Forces. On October 10th, Hamas said the execution of civilian hostages would be publicly broadcast if Israel targets people in Gaza again without warning. In a statement from the White House, Biden said, quote, We know that American citizens are among those being held by Hamas. I've directed my team to share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery efforts. As of Saturday, October 21st, two American hostages, a mother and daughter, were released Friday after being held in the Gaza Strip for nearly two weeks. President Joe Biden spoke to them and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said a team from the U.S. Embassy will meet with them soon. By Tuesday, October 10th, Israel's military said it had regained control of the Gaza-Israel border, though Israel continues its airstrikes all over the blockaded Gaza Strip and has ordered the severance of essential services to its 2.3 million residents, many of whom are children, including a complete cutoff of water, electricity, and the supply of food, fuel, and other essential utilities and commodities to the already impoverished area. That same night, Tuesday, October 10th, the Biden White House has confirmed that the U.S. intelligence community continues digging through its data stores for clues to determine whether Iran played a direct role in the deadly October 7th attack, though no such evidence has yet emerged. Neither U.S. nor Israeli intelligence had any advanced warning of the attack in a complete intelligence failure which U.S. officials say is stunning, given the size and scale of the assault. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that the U.S. believes Iran is complicit in the attack, given its years of support to Hamas as its chief benefactor, providing it with tens of millions of dollars, weapons and components that were smuggled into Gaza, and broad technical and ideological support. However, regardless of these facts, the administration still does not have direct evidence linking Tehran to the planning and execution of this particular assault, said Sullivan. Hamas maintains a degree of independence from the Iranian regime as it lacks command over Hamas's activities, has no Iranian advisors on the ground in Gaza, and lacks a direct Iranian command over the group's activities according to former security officials and regional analysts. However, the unprecedented scale of the October 7th attack, 
combined with analysts' broad belief that Iran sees the attack as a net positive for its interests, has raised questions about whether Hamas could have executed such a complex operation without direct assistance from Iran or others. As the deadly fighting between Israel and Hamas intensifies, so too does the dire humanitarian crisis. The unprecedented attacks launched by Hamas on Israel have resulted in hundreds of casualties and thousands of injuries on both sides. The Israeli response and its ongoing airstrikes have overwhelmed local hospitals and led to the displacement of over 100,000 people in Gaza already, which is one of the most densely populated areas globally. Today, the day I'm recording this, October 21st, 2023, marks two weeks of ongoing violence as the death toll continues to rise with no clear end in sight. Three days ago, on October 18th, President Joe Biden made a seven and a half hour visit to Israel, giving a speech from Tel Aviv, where he empathized and voiced support for the Israeli people, while at the same time urged for humanitarian aid to Gaza. Over 4,000 Palestinians and 1,400 Israelis have already lost their lives. I understand, many Americans understand, said Biden, recalling the U.S. experience and response post 9-11. But I caution this, while you feel that rage, don't be consumed by it. After 9-11, we were enraged in the United States. And while we sought justice and got justice, we also made mistakes. The intensification of the conflict has also hindered humanitarian relief efforts. The International Committee of the Red Cross, the ICRC, which experienced damage to one of its buildings in Gaza, is advocating for the protection of humanitarian workers, civilians, and critical infrastructure. Doctors Without Borders has labeled the situation horrific and calls for restraint as medical facilities suffer destruction in the ongoing fighting. Those interested in helping can donate to Doctors Without Borders, Save the Children, or other vetted humanitarian aid and relief organizations. The conflict is a deeply rooted and complex issue marked by violence, tragedy, and suffering on both sides. Finding a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict remains a challenging and fleeting task that would require key actors and interested parties to meaningfully address these deeply entrenched historical, political, and cultural issues. <sighs> okay, I know that was a lot, but bear with me as we quickly recap some takeaways. Historically, the conflict's roots date back a millennia, but the core of today's conflict extends back to the late 19th and early 20th century, with Jewish and Arab nationalist movements. The UN's 1947 partition plan led to Israel's creation and several significant wars, including the Six-Day War and the Yom Kippur War. Though some attempts at peace negotiations aimed at self-rule, true peace efforts have seldom been seriously entertained, leaving core issues unaddressed, including borders, Jerusalem, refugees' right of return, and security. Hamas, the radicalized group responsible for the recent violence and terrorist attack in Israel, has maintained power in Gaza since 2007. Since seizing control of Gaza in 2007 through armed means, Hamas has stayed in power despite international pressure, many wars with Israel, and constant efforts by its Palestinian Authority rival to weaken it. Over the years, Hamas has developed increasingly professional military forces. Though Hamas's military capabilities have grown, the lives of Gazans have deteriorated even further in the time since. Sewage contaminates water, electricity is scarce, and many children face malnutrition. International aid is essential due to the Israeli blockade, which prevents the movement of people, food, and 
fuel and other essential resources into or out of Gaza and restricts access to vital resources. As we know, on Saturday, October 7th, 2023, Hamas launched a surprise coordinated terrorist attack on Israel following several years of ongoing cyclical tit-for-tat violence, escalating tensions, and an increasingly hard-right Israeli government. Hamas's assault on Israel encompassed air, land, and sea, including ground troops on motorcycles and pickups, the launching of thousands of rockets, airbound paratroopers on motorized hang gliders, and naval assaults through sea routes. As a result, Israel mobilized its military, emphasizing its determination to respond forcefully. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu declared all-out war and initiated the continued airstrikes as it mobilizes its reserves for a major ground invasion into the Gaza Strip. The conflict continues to evolve and remains a deeply entrenched issue in the Middle East, characterized by complex historical, political, and religious dimensions. The October developments have incurred massive casualties on both sides, making this one of the deadliest developments yet. At this time, there are only three knowns about the developing conflict. One, suffering persists across the board. Two, peace remains elusive. And three, both sides now face international scrutiny and criticism. The current escalation is a tragic and destructive turn of events that further highlights the urgent need for a resolution to this long-standing conflict. The suffering, loss of life, and displacement of people are all deeply concerning, to say the absolute least. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, as the old adage goes, or as an interviewed Israeli put it a lot more harrowingly, dead babies don't heal dead babies. To work towards a solution, it's essential to continue promoting diplomacy, dialogue, and negotiations that address the root causes, enabling a peaceful path forward for a two-state solution. In a testament to the global impact of the situation, international involvement and diplomacy play a significant role within the various countries, organizations, and leaders attempting to mediate and bring about a peaceful resolution. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is a highly sensitive, emotionally charged, and polarizing issue. But that is why it is so critical to approach it with empathy and a firm commitment to ending violence. As we strive for lasting peace, remember, there are no sides when it comes to innocent civilians who suffer the most in such conflicts. It falls on all of us to advocate for the fair and humane treatment of every innocent life involved. I'll continue to closely monitor the ongoing conflict and provide updates as events unfold. But for now, this has been The Real Deal from D. This concludes our special edition of The Real Deal with D and Denise. But stay tuned for our regular episodes later this week when Denise will be back to give you the real deal from both of us. I implore everyone to formulate their own ideas and opinions around this issue and to share it with me in the comments or DMs on any of our social media accounts at the real deal underscore pod. Again, that's the real deal underscore pod. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok. Thank you for your support. We'll be back in your headphones soon. Until then, stay real.